It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor, along with Jed Demusi, Local 12 sports anchor, reporter, and producer. As we look back at the Bengals and Jaguars, including the A.J. Green uh, debacle, the illness that turned into not an illness, but something even a little bit more for Jake Fisher. And we'll, of course, preview this week's game at the Tennessee Titans as the Bengals reach the midway point at 3-5. and five. And maybe a new segment. Which is? Well, You've got we'll one in mind? We'll have to see. We'll get mm, there. Stick okay. around. All right. I like it. Just is it, is it clean? Week. Is it clean? It's very clean. It's very clean. I was hoping it wouldn't be We're clean. not working blue here. All right. Very good. All right. Let, let's go back to the Jacksonville game. Let's touch on the game very quickly, and then we'll, we'll move on to, to the news from the game, which was the A.J. Green fight with Jalen Ramsey. Uh, another miserable offensive performance, another miserable second-half offensive performance. You can trace some of that in the second half to not having A.J. Green. But um, this offense is is now back to Ken Zampezi-like standards. They can't run it. They can't protect the passer. The one time they protect the passer and get their best receiver wide open down the field, he throws the football out of bounds. Um, and, and I guess, Jed, for me, there, there's nothing that I can look at that suggests anything's going to be better. Maybe... John Ross at some point when he's on the field to provide a downfield threat and take some pressure away from A.J. Green, maybe going back to the I formation and just trying to trying to run power power runs as opposed to trying to run from the gun because you're not changing those guys up front. And, and honestly, now you're even worse off probably without having Jake Fisher because there's no depth behind the two starting tackles. Neither one of them can, can play either. Right. Uh, I, think, I think at this point, just, just put John Ross on the field. And and to me, I don't know. I don't know what you think about it, but do you think that because the the narrative right now is that Marvin knows this is it for him. This right. Is you, your favorite line. This is a great jumping off point. Do you think him not playing is an indication that Marvin thinks he because if he is playing out the string here and he's playing with house money and this is it for him, why not? Give him a shot. I'm guessing he doesn't think he gives him a chance to win. I, I'm guessing he really thinks that the other receivers they're putting out there on Sunday are better. And, and maybe that's the most damning thing of all. Um, it's a legitimate question to raise because no one can put their finger on it. Um, as I mentioned last week, I watched a little bit. We, we don't get a chance usually to watch them do much other than, than position stuff. And watching some one-on-one position stuff, he was having a hard time at times getting off the line of scrimmage. Um, he didn't look crisp coming out of breaks running routes. Maybe that's, some of that's knee-related. Maybe he just isn't a completely polished route runner. He's not where they need him to be route-running-wise. Um, but but I, I think I'm starting to fall into that camp. I usually fall into the coach's camp. I, I know that's probably right. the coach in me that, that I get it. Um, I have sometimes parents that question me. For those that don't know, I'm a high school basketball coach, and they question me. I know, wonder why does this guy play over that guy? Because I can trust that guy. That guy does the things I've asked him to do to get to that point. Is the other guy maybe more talented overall? Maybe, but if he can't be trusted to do A or B, uh, he wants to do C, then, you know, chances are his playing time is lessened. Um, so I, I, I usually fall into the coach's camp, but I'm, I'm starting to fall to that. What else you got to lose right now? It's not like you got other receivers producing. Um, I just did a piece. It's on Local12.com, kind of good, bad, and ugly, kind of a midseason report card. I don't give them grades, but kind of a three-pointed of each good, bad, ugly stuff. And one of the uglies is A.J. Green has caught 39 passes for 578. The other wide receivers combined, combined, have 40 reception for less than 400 yards. That tells me, and you, all you, do, you can see it on Sundays, yeah. they can't get open. They don't get open. So if you're telling me that, that John Ross can't get off the line of scrimmage, 
and maybe doesn't run crisp routes. I, I buy that. I get it. Maybe doesn't have his. Maybe not immersed in the playbook. Maybe he needs to show some toughness. Maybe they don't think he's hurt as hurt as John thinks he is. Maybe this is a pain tolerance thing. And you know, coaches, they're old school, man. And, and, and unless you really can't go, then you need to go. You need to play. And they don't like guys who can't play. They don't even. You even hear they, they don't even want to talk about guys that are injured. And, so so I I I, I want yeah. to get back to your point. I think for John Ross, you were at that stage of. If he gets off the line of scrimmage once, twice, three times in a game and gets open downfield, and maybe Andy gets sacked on that play, or maybe he checks it down beforehand, but you know that's on tape. And you know the other defensive coordinators are going to go, ooh, if we just miss one jam and we don't have safety help over the top, or we try not to jam him and, and we've decided to play even off of him, and he runs by our guy and there's no safety help. You show that on film some, I guarantee you A.J. Green is not getting double covered every single solitary play. I guarantee it. And isn't there something something to be said for if John Ross isn't as good as maybe he thinks he is or isn't as good as he can be, isn't there some value to put him out there for 10 snaps and to actually show him in a game, hey, guess what? You were the number one draft pick. You aren't good enough to play, okay? You, you're, we're going to make you active. We're going to put you on the field. And we're going to show you what it takes to play in the NFL. And you don't have it right now. So you need to put that in your mind going forward the rest of this year, next year, your NFL career, that what you're doing right now isn't good enough. We can tell you on the practice field, but we're going to show you in the NFL that what you're doing isn't good enough. Yeah, with game tape, all of those things. Um, And and it's interesting because because Marvin Lewis brought it up with John, uh, about John on Monday at his press conference of, you know, every snap he takes is is an important one, Every, every rep he gets. Well, if you're not getting any snaps, how important can they be? I, I mean, he's taking 11 snaps. He was a healthy scratch. A healthy scratch after he was actually active in a game. Didn't play very much, but was actually active for a game. Had another week of that knee issue being behind him. Was healthy, practiced in full, and was, as I predicted, he was a, you could see it coming that he was going to be a healthy scratch. And he was. I think you're now at that stage where, look, Throw caution to the wind and, and get the guy some snaps. I mean, you just you you draft him in the first round for a reason. He's healthy now. Let him either show that he can do it or show, as you mentioned, show two games worth of tape to him. Show every time of hey, here's where you progress from week one getting snaps to week two. Here's the things. I don't think you can see that on a practice field all the time. Not all the time. And we talked last year about Abuehi. At what point? Our discussion last year, I remember on the podcast was, is it beneficial for him to keep going in and playing? and getting beat, or is it more beneficial to sit him and not stilt his confidence? Well, maybe let's get to that point with John Ross because they haven't given him a chance. Let's get to that point where maybe we say, hey, maybe it's a good idea to shut Ross down for the year. And, and look, He's not effective. But, but until you get him out there and show him what it's actually like, you, you have to play him. And if you were 6-2 and two with what you've got, oh, or 5-3 yeah, no with what you've got, um, and your offense was producing... Okay, I, I, but right now you have the last-ranked offense yards-wise in the NFL. Um, something has to change. Well, unfortunately, the five guys up front really aren't going to change. Even if you make some moves, it's shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic, for goodness sakes. Which, by the way, Cam Newton, it's, <laughs> it's not safe. Don't, no, don't. Let him figure it out on his own. Okay. Okay. Maybe, maybe he'll get that one day. Um, <laughs> I mean, you, you don't have a lot of other options in, in how to make this offense. It's not magically going to get better, but maybe this one guy can start to draw some other eyes and bodies away from the two weapons you do have in A.J. Green and Joe Mixon. 
And it's all about his development. Right. If, if, it, if he's not the answer, I'm not, you're not saying, oh, he's going to be the answer. I'm not saying he's going to be the answer. I like to see. I'm saying at the end of the day, they owe it to him as a franchise to see what they have with him. Right. And at the very least, get him in the mindset of this offseason. If he doesn't play the entire year, it's a lost year. It's Correct. a completely lost year. At least put some seeds Plant some seeds in his head where he says, gosh, you know, that game I played against Tennessee, I have stuff to watch. I wasn't good enough. I, I take some pride in my ability. I'm going to work this offseason. If he doesn't play, he's going to know that he wasn't good enough, but he won't know how good enough he wasn't, and that, and that's, uh, if I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, no, and I guess it gets to the point of, of when do you look, if you're Marvin Lewis, and, and say, say, you know, I don't want to say it's too late because it's – you're still in a playoff hunt until you're not, I guess, and you're still having... But at what stage do you just say, listen, we're running out of bullets to fire, and this is one of our... Remain- this is the silver bullet left to fire. i got to fire it. And That's I think my question. That, qu- that was my initial stage. question. And I think that was my initial stage. question. If he's, if he's drawing dead, if he's dead man walking, if he's not going to come back, why not empty out you know, the chamber, right. for lack of a better term, right. and, and get all your bullets on the field. Yeah, and you may, maybe, maybe we see that this week. If you were to put a gun to my head, proverbially speaking right now, <laughs> yeah. I would tell you John Ross is a healthy scratch yet again this week. That's just a prediction. Alrighty. Maybe I'm wrong. All right, let's talk about uh, a little bit more about the Jacksonville game. I mean, not, not a lot to dissect. The, the offense was horrible. Defense couldn't get off the field, although the defense did only hold them to 16 points. The other seven scored on a special teams because they sucked too. So, yeah, bad offense, not really good defense, especially on third down, bad special teams. It, honestly, it, when you hear all those things and you really do look at the raw numbers, it should have been 47-7. to seven. When one team converts more third downs than you have... Correct. They converted 12 and the Bengals only had 8. Right. <laughs> I right. mean, that's, that's all and the they were one of eight. Fewest snaps ever? Ever. 37 snaps. And 37 offensive They snaps. had, what, 38 in a strike year? Uh, correct. Correct. 1987 <laughs> With replacement day. players. Yes. Yes, that is correct. All right. Oy, 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 is the, is the key phrase. It doesn't get worse than that. Um, obviously, the big news that came out of the game was, was the A.J. Green-Jalen Ramsey fight. Um, there's been a lot of rumors. Um, there's been a lot of he said, she says. Um, for the most part, A.J. Green basically has said that this fight occurred because of, because of Jalen Ramsey shoving him. There was some yapping going on. That happens constantly with A.J. Green. Um, now there's a lot of finger pointing from Jacksonville at AJ Green for for being weak and soft and all these kind of things. Um, bottom line is it it it, it it's the la- one of the last guys I would have guessed that would have done this. But you know, maybe a Jalen Ramsey deserved it, uh, and and B um, maybe this shows the rest of this football team that AJ Green is going down fighting, lack of a better term, and and. Maybe it's a wake-up call for everybody that this guy's at that snap stage, and maybe, damn it, it's, it's, it's time for everybody to say enough is enough. It's, it's hard to kind of uh, contextualize everything that's surrounding this, this situation. But what I do think is, after the game, there were two prevailing schools of thought as to why it happened. The one AJ was putting forward was, I got pushed and I snapped. He said that in the locker room. Right. But Marvin Lewis and Adam Jones, and you were there, Marvin Lewis and Adam Jones both intimated that there was something in particular that was said. Right. Okay. Adam Jones went as far as to say... I'm not going to say verbatim what was said, but... Right. And then he also he also made it seem as if he said post-game that... And I know I'm telling you, you were standing right there, but he said something to the effect of, 
hey, Jalen Ramsey, you never know who's going to be your teammate. Right. You never know who you're going to line up against. You never know. To, to basically to say that this isn't over. Oh yeah, and absolutely. You, and you would think. And he said something worse that none of us, none of us used. Maybe a TV used, but I, and I'm not going to use it here because it was a little above above the mean. But anyway, and Adam Jones made it clear that he wasn't threatening Ramsey, but he was saying that this kind of stuff comes around, which to me leads me to believe that he didn't think what happened on the field was justice. Ramsey pushes him, and AJ puts him in a headlock and puts him to the ground. If that was it, right. then that's an eye for an eye, and, and, right. and I, I would think that they're square. Right. Dave Lapham said that he heard that, that uh, Ramsey said something about AJ's family. And, and one of the rumors, and I'll let you finish this because I know where you're going with this, but the listener may not. One of the rumors was he said something about A.J. Green's wife. It was a it was a message board rumor, and I don't believe that to be the case. I really don't, because it's supposedly somebody in the stands heard that portion of it. But Lap heard, apparently from some players... That it was about another family member of A.J. Yeah, not, not, not his wife. We'll leave it at that, yeah. but, but Lap was fired up. I mean, he was fired up on Sunday night on the Sports Authority talking about what was said, and he said that if, if, what, if that was true, that Ramsey wasn't... It isn't a human being, okay? So if you saw that segment, you, you, you heard Lapp say that, so we're repeating what's being said. Now, Ramsey, in his availability on Wednesday, said he, he said, the rumor is I said something about his family. I didn't say. I just said he was soft. That we, just, that, we, that weak and soft. That weak and soft. That doesn't pass the smell test for me. This is not the first cornerback that has tried to rent space in A.J. Green's head. Correct. Last year in, in London, Josh Norman didn't shut up. Right. He was Got he, was, he was talking from Piccadilly Square to Scotland Yard yeah, to really A.J. Did. And what did A.J. do? He went out and torched him. Right. So this isn't the first time that A.J. has... And that's just one example of Norman. Um, there's been countless no, examples. No, we, we, we've talked to him about this a, a bunch, and, and he, you know about yappy cornerbacks, because the two most yappy positions are cornerback and, and wide receiver. Right. They're, they're the guys who like to talk to each other a lot. Um, and he's talking about he tunes it out. And I believe that. I totally believe that you could just about say anything to him, and it won't make him snap. Um, and maybe it was finally the, the, the bridge was crossed. He took it. He listened to it. He absorbed it. And then finally the push was the final straw to it. Listen, I've listened to you the whole half, but you're not going to cheap shot me like that. And it wasn't a complete cheap shot, but it was a guy turned around walking back towards the huddle who got pushed from behind hard enough to be knocked to the ground. And at that point, he'd had enough. Um, and, and I'm having a hard time. As much as I think fighting is it's selfish, it's stupid, you make it about you, I'm a big team guy. I, I got it. I actually understood it. And, and to his credit, he stood there after the game and was more than willing to talk um, and, and, you know, answer what, what was thrown his way and wasn't trying to have three questions be asked and walk away from the three questions. I, I walked away when it started to get repetitive because at that stage, I thought, you've done it long enough. I need to go somewhere else in the locker room here and talk, talk to some other guys. So um, I get it. Um, I, I got his reaction to it. And, and maybe the NFL does too. Maybe that's why the NFL – didn't suspend him because that is an absolute suspendable offense. It's not even, without question. Yeah, I, I was stunned that he got no suspension from it. He ended up uh, the fine came out as we're podcasting this. The fine came out for forty two thousand dollars, which is a pretty hefty price tag. You knew that part was at especially least for a first offense, correct? Um, and maybe it was the fact that he was, did show some contrition after the game. Maybe the fact that um, you know they understood that Jalen Ramsey started it. AJ Green shouldn't have done what he did, but I, the Mike Evans punch wasn't yeah. as bad as this. 
Right, and that happened in the second half, and a lot of people said AJ probably d- didn't get suspended because it happened in the first half, and he missed a half of football. I uh, think I, I think what happened is I think he told Marvin the truth, and I think Marvin, after the game, alluded to it, and he knew that Marvin could go. Marvin's on the competition committee. Yeah. He's got some people he can call and say, "Hey, here's exactly what happened." Just so you know, this is what happened. And I think it was because of something that, that was said. I think it was because of something that was said, and I think that's why he avoided it. Because if what, if what Dave Lapham told me that he heard was said, then, you know, A.J. Green, then Ramsey should be suspended, really, in reality. Well, and it goes back to maybe officials need to knock this. It just stops from the get-go. Don't say one word to the other guy. I'm going to warn you one time. Second time you're getting a 15-yard penalty. Next time you're getting another 15-yard penalty, and guess what? Then you're rejected automatically for the two 15-yard penalties. So my suggestion is just shut your mouth, or I'll shut it for you. And that, I'll pin that on the league. It's not hard to do. It really isn't. Take control of the situation. Because it, it was chippy really early in that yes. game. And it kept getting chippier and chippier and chippier. Some of it, I think, Bengals' frustration. Um, and I'm not here to condone that part of it. But when you have one frustrated team and another team... And look, I think Jacksonville's trying to play with an edge. they got a lot of young bucks there that are trying to show that they're tough guys, and by gosh, they are, it's, a, it's a good defense. And I think yeah. they're trying to set a little bit of a tone. But as a, I'm telling you, as an official in that circumstance, the NFL ought to look into saying, look, I'm going to warn you one time. I mean, if you want to say something on occasion to a guy and it doesn't get too bad, but if you hear it constant. Yeah, and, and which they, is what they, it was. And they were warned. They were talked about, hey, knock it right. off. Enough with knock it off. You get one warning, next one's a penalty, next one's another penalty, and then you're gone. See you later. Right. Pretty simple. Can we talk about Marvin Lewis's involvement in, in this happening when it did? Sure. Okay. The Jaguars' last possession in the first half, they had a third and, I think, ten. And there was a pass that was completed over the middle. I know where you're going with It was not for a first down. And I actually joked about this. It was not for a first down. That's correct. So the clock was running. Correct. And the clock and the play clock were about a second apart. Now, they had a a chance to go for it on fourth down. Jacksonville did. Right. A chance. But what it looked like was they were interested in letting that clock go all the way down, calling a timeout, and coming out and attempting the field goal. The Bengals decided to call a timeout with 25 seconds. And I, I can understand that because it's a 56-yard attempt. If Lambeau misses that, you, you then get you it get, to 46, and you got a chance to go get a field goal. You got a chance. I'm okay with that, okay? But there was time on the clock because the Bengals called a timeout. Okay, so he makes the field goal. Now you kick off. The, the, the kicks return to, I think, the 21-yard line, okay? There's 18 or seconds. Or was a touchback one of the other. Whatever. It was at the 20, yeah. okay? There's 18 seconds left in the half. Take a knee. Take a knee. Instead, run the ball. You run the ball. Did did Marvin think that there was going to be some moment of clarity with this offensive line that they were going to see the light and all of a sudden open up uh, a semi-truck hole for Joe Mixon to run into field goal territory? If you're you're going to do that... Hang on. And the way this season is gone, really, the way this season is gone, there was almost as much of a chance of Joe Mixon fumbling and giving them another (laughs) free three points, really. I mean, that's the way the season is going, if right? You, if you're not going to take a knee in that instance, you have to throw the ball. Yes. But if you either one, if you take a knee or you throw the ball, what happens? There's no blocking downfield. There's there, no, it's just a knee and gone. These two guys yep. who basically had nothing to do on this play ha- had an opportunity to, 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 to fuel this fire even more. Now, would A.J. Green and Ramsey, would that have come to a head in the third quarter? Uh, probably. probably. Yeah. Probably. But that sequence... Is Marvin's fault? Well, I'm not going to go completely there, but 
What take, do you mean? I would have said take a knee. I'll give you the take a knee. I can't. I can't. Take I'm not the saying week. it's. I'm not saying it's his fault that Ramsey did that. Correct. Or, or that or, AJ or responded. Right. But I'm saying that situation was put into place because of bizarre. Now see, I thought you were going to blame him for the timeout. I was going to defend the timeout. No, no, no. Right. I def- I can defend I the timeout. It's a 56 yard field goal. Right. It's a, right. I get that if he misses and it's Josh. Lam- I mean Lambo. When was the last time yeah. that was his career long? And he made it with a lot to spare too. Actually, he did. He drilled that thing. I, I, I'm 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 not upset I'm with, with that. But I just I don't understand. And, and this is a bigger point of what what are they what do they think is going to happen on that play? He's going to bust a 72 yarder <laughs> and they're going to get a field goal out of it. So I, I guess. And yeah. I don't think anyone was talking about that. But I just thought that was worth no, a, a I, discussion. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the Jake Fisher situation. Um, he left the game Sunday. They they called it an illness initially. It was funny. My my Twitter timeline. Hopefully, those of you that tweeted me the following are embarrassed, and, and you should be. That was along the lines of what getting out of a game because he's sick. That's weak. Well, nobody it, nobody's embarrassed they, on Twitter. They, they used they used the term illness, and I guess that's that's the technical issue with it. It turns out he's got an irregular heartbeat. They did some tests. Um, didn't seem like. Because he did fly back with the team, um, didn't seem like down there was all that. They didn't find that down there. He had further tests um, after the team got back on on, on Monday, um, and at that point decided to shut him down for the season. Thank God they caught it. I, yeah, I, I, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, there has been one death on the field in an NFL game. A guy died of a heart attack. Chuck Hughes back in 1970, 1970, I think it was. A wide receiver for Detroit caught a pass. Dropped dead of a heart attack, but you're right. Thank God they caught it. And there, there have been other instances of, of yeah, and players in the NBA, right. players in college right. uh, that 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 has happened to in basketball. Yeah, that's that's some scary stuff. And it's you know we can talk about you know, and you hate to get sanctimonious on this, but we can talk about the Bengals' offensive line problems since teams three and five. But when it comes down to it, you know, it's good that they caught that for Jake no Fisher doubt. and his family and all that. So no doubt, um, that's 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 a scary thing. Now, that said, from a football perspective, it leaves the Bengals with Andre Smith now. Instead of the rotation, you do have Andre Smith at right tackle, Cedric Obwehi at left tackle, and your one backup tackle, welcome back, the veteran Eric Winston. Needs to, I think he needs to be I, on the active 53 to get another year of retirement. Maybe. I like <laughs> he's Eric got, He's got some young kids at home. He, this is probably a vacation for him. And, and two years ago <laughs> when they signed Eric, I liked it. It was the right thing to do at the right time. It was a Bengal team that was set up to win. He still had a little bit left in the tank. Um, gave them at least some depth at the time because he had a little bit left in the tank. He has nothing left in the tank. Um, it, and, and now you're down to, look, I, there's no way Andre Smith lasts eight more games as a full-time tackle. It's just it, it's too yeah. injury prone. At this stage of his career, something's going to happen. Cedric he should be benched by now. He really should be. Uh, and yet you, your yeah. only backup plan is Eric Wynn. There's nobody else. And let me just say it. The, the, there are there are offensive lines around this league disintegrating, and maybe that's exactly what it shows. You know, Seattle's offensive line is a mess. Washington's lost what four linemen in the last three weeks. Yes. Uh, Green Bay's is a train wreck, uh, both physically and uh, and and ability wise. And through all that, Eric Winston was unsigned, unsigned. Not to mention that. I mean, is this where the state of offensive line play is in this league? Is quite frankly, there just aren't enough bodies to go around. I, I, I don't I don't know how you couldn't draw that conclusion right. based on on what you just said. What's funny to me is looking back at the preseason, how serviceable we thought Abwehi and Fisher looked. Serviceable. We right. we knew in the preseason, thinking that those guys were going to be that that they could hold the water. We saw in the preseason that Winston 
Correct. done. Correct. So now let's fast forward and we find out, I'm not talking about Fisher, but we find out that in you're right, a way he should be benched. We thought he was going to be able to play and we knew Winston wasn't. And now Winston is back. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think... I don't think there's any any question the the value that offense that good offensive linemen have in this league, and I'm going to be that guy. Yeah, once, no, I, I'm going to be that guy once again. This past week, don't throw Zeitler at me, but Andrew you, you, Whitworth. You, yeah, you can throw Whitworth out there. Twenty plus one. pass blocks didn't allow a single pressure for the 49th time in his career since the start of the 2006 season. He has the most 49 times, 20 or more pressure or 20 or more passes without a pressure. I get it. He's I, unbelievable. I, I get it. And, and you know, I, I, I'm in the other camp that says, look, you drafted these two guys in 2015 for this reason. They, 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 they were drafted with the projection that in 2017 or 18, that one's your starting right tackle, one's your starting left tackle. It's why they let Andre, Andre Smith walk last year. It's unfortunately why they let Witt walk this year. But after watching them both, particularly Abwehi last year, I think you needed a better insurance policy than hope. And I think that's what they, they, they did. I get it. I, I know fans, hindsight on this, and, and probably even foresight, because I think a lot of fans were, were mad at the time, and understandably right. so. Bengals drafted these guys to be the starting tackles now. It is obviously not panned out. It was pretty clear last year that Cedric Obey might be in over his head. And whether it was at right tackle where he flopped, or even that one start at left tackle where he flopped, um, it was it was pretty clear. And, and so you're right. I They... They, I think they thought they could get through and, and, and somehow with all the skill weapons be able to mask this. And they can't get to the skill weapons because, A, John Ross can't get on the field. Uh, B, they can't run block enough for Joe Mixon to flash the skills that when he gets occasional good blocking thing that he does flash. They can't get to that. And, and so now you're back to square one in 2018. You literally need three, maybe four offensive linemen in the next draft free agency wave in order to compete, or you are literally looking at 2020, 2021 by the time you can rebuild the offensive line. And then guess what's going to happen by then? Whether you like Andy Dalton or not, right. he still is a quality starting quarterback in this league. And you can scoff at that all you want, Fine. but he is. Look at, look at the numbers. Agreed. Blah, blah, blah. Agreed. Okay. By that time, Andy Dalton's 32-33. A.J. Green's 32-33. Your, your, your window for them by the time you retool this is gone. It's gone. Now, you've retooled some other things. I mean, the rookie class has been pretty good on defense. You've seen some, some flashes of these guys. Uh, Mixon has shown flashes when they have blocked for him. You're still hopeful for John Ross. But if it takes you that long to rebuild the offensive line, then two key components, the quarterback who's been durable, has won games, has had success in the league, and your, your potential Hall of Fame wide receiver are kind of creeping into the range of getting up there where it's just not maybe going to be as effective as you'd like it to be. They messed this up badly, and and I, I don't know what else to say other than that. And then they have to they have to really hit a home run the next time through in the next couple of draft classes and free agency periods to retool this offensive line. With the sixth pick in the 2018 huh. NFL draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select the left side of Notre Dame's offensive right. line. Right, their offensive <laughs> their offensive line might be better than the Bengals' offensive line. It really might. What's be. Tommy Kramer doing? Can we just get him exactly. up here now? It's the best group, and maybe in college football, for goodness <laughs> sakes, it's a really good group. Yeah, they're, they're, that's going to be that. They have to address that in in the next draft, and it's unfortunate because they had this plan in place, it didn't work, and now and now it's a scramble to see if you can stay in the Dalton AJ Green window. And, and figure out a way, and dare I say, spend money on a free agent, right. potentially. Yeah. Which is not the M.O. for the Bengals. No, I, and the thing, I, I will say, the one thing I will give the Whitworth 
should have been signed or re-signed camp. And, and I'm in that camp, but I also get why they – and it does take two to tango. I, the, the, the part I did is, is that he was still a productive player. It wasn't like a guy who was sliding – no, and it's shown signs of sliding. Andre Smith had shown that, right? I mean, of Andre course. Smith had—he's in his heyday. And I, when Andre Smith was was good, he was okay. He was good. He was never great. Um, and then he started to get hurt. So I get when they let him walk, and they had drafted two guys. And look, you had two choices. Then did you was it going to be a boy or Fisher? Well, it was a boy and Fisher's backup. You had two choices. Now you're down to you got you got nothing left. You had nothing left in the holster for that position group. It is that bad. Um, and, and and that's where. I, I do. I get the whole Whitworth should have been kept because you just didn't know. And he bought you a two-year bridge to find out. And now that bridge is gone. I wonder if in the description of this podcast, I don't know who writes those, if it's you or who writes it, but I wonder if it's going to say Skinny and Jed once again, you know, in italics, talk about this. I mean, we, we talked about it all right. year long. And some people may think that this is our bathroom break during the podcast, that we just, you know, hit record and that this plays into another recording. It does. And, then, and we're back. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> Hard edit. But, you know, it's, it's, it's worth talking about because it's the undoing of this team this year. No, no question. Uh, let's uh, quickly touch on the, uh, the next game. Yay. Uh, this Sunday <laughs> at, at Tennessee. They just keep coming. As they take on the Titans, a team that's won three straight games, a team that uh, I thought was, was the team to beat in this division in the AFC South. Yeah. When the season began, they're starting to play like it. Starting to get healthy. Haven't been completely dominant, mind you. I mean, they had to rally to beat a bad Indy. Had to had to go to overtime and kick four field goals to beat awful Cleveland. Um, beat uh, a Baltimore team last week that's not very good, uh, especially offensively. Um, and, and this is not a dynamic team offensively, but they built oh. it around a young defense. They they built it around an offensive line. They built it around two runners into Marco Murray and Derrick Henry. And they built it around Marcus Mariota doing some bootleg action. Maybe not as much of a runner as, as he was in college, but he's got the threat to run and, and letting him at least be an accurate enough passer. He doesn't have a lot of weapons on the outside. They drafted Corey Davis to try to be a weapon. He's just now right. getting into the mix and, and getting some, some playing time. Um, he was a guy that was kind of in that, is it going to be Ross Davis if you're going to take a receiver group? Yeah. Um, and, he does, and, you know, Delaney Walker's hurting, but he's been pretty good. Uh, but this is starting to round into a pretty solid football team that I think – even though I did like what I saw from Jacksonville, Jacksonville still has some really big holes. I find less holes with this Tennessee Titan team. I agree with you. And I think I think in that game against Baltimore, they, they had a very comfortable lead, and Baltimore kind of picked away at right. it and then had an opportunity late. But they, they kind of put their foot on the gas and then eased up on on that team. The the Cleveland game is a, is a misnomer. It may just be because they're on a short week um, going from, from Monday to, to Sunday. Yeah, right, right. Um, I think one guy that you mentioned that, that is – Proving to be a, a serviceable target is Rashard Matthews. Yep. I think he's played well. I think he caught a touchdown against uh, Baltimore last week. So they're starting to get Delaney Walker, maybe one of the more, when he's healthy, one of the more underrated tight ends. In the and the league. Bengals have had a tough time of late with tight ends. He's He's been a very good player when healthy. They've got a dynamic two-headed monster in the backfield with, with Henry and uh, Murray. So, you know, th- this is a team that – and. You know, Byard leads the leads the league in interceptions. He's got well, and a fumble card. He's got seven takeaways. He's got yeah. he's on pace for fourteen takeaways. He has seven takeaways by himself. Do you know how many the Bengals have? They have mm. six. Well, they just got their first fumble last in, eight, week. in eighteen mm-hmm. games. Yeah, five interceptions, one fumble. Kevin Byard has six interceptions and one fumble. So he's got one more than the entire Bengals team. There you go. There you go. Uh, Arakpo on that defensive line. I think some people thought that he's kind of like a Calais Campbell. A lot of people thought when when the um, 
when the Redskins sent him on his way that maybe he was done. He's kind of doing very well. He, I mean, he, everybody murders the Browns. Jarrell Casey's a poor man's Geno Atkins. I mean, they got they got some guys. I mean, they have, they have some guys on every level defensively and offensively. Again, it's not dynamic, but they've kind of built it of, of we're going to go beat you in a perfect world 20-17. to 17. And that's kind of the way they've, they've kind of ground out these last few games. And for better or worse, and this isn't a Titans podcast, but they've got an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, and a head coach that have been through more wars than any of, of those three in the league. Dick LeBeau, Terry Rubisky, and, yep. and, and Mike Malarkey. And that, a lot of people thought when they let Ken Wisenhunt go and promoted Malarkey as an interim that there was no way they were going to bring him back. Well, they did. And you can say what you want about him, and you can say what you want about Terry Rubisky. I'm sure Browns fans have a lot to say about him and Dick LeBeau. But these guys have been through some battles, and they're able to get in those rooms with some of these younger guys and some of these pieces that they're – and they can coach them up and – you know, this is this is a good team. I touch on Dick LeBeau. He's 80 years old, still coaching professional football. The energy level it takes to do that is insane, and he's still doing it. And I did like, I'm not a big Marvin fan, as most know, but I, he did have a funny answer when somebody asked him, "Do you do you expect you'll be coaching like like Dick at 80?" And he gave a quick no. I mean, that 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 is very just the energy level of it is is insane. And you are seeing more and more guys that are coaching in their 70s and 80s that you never would have seen 30 years ago, 40 years ago, etc. Uh, but to still be doing it at age 80, good for Dick LeBeau, man. Dick LeBeau. It, it, dreadful head coach, dreadful, but has been a great coordinator in this league, be it the Bengals, Steelers, now with the uh, with Tennessee Titans. He's been doing it for a long time and doing it well. Yeah, and there are there are, there are more guys that are coaching. Monty Kiffin, I think, is the, his son's D coordinator in uh, – FAU or FIU or wherever yeah. Lane Kiffin is. He's the head coach, yeah. So there are guys co- coaching much longer uh, into their life. And, and you just wonder, and, you know, you hate to say it, but I feel like he's kind of like Bear, be like Bear Bryant. You know, if he stepped away. He'd be dead in a year. Yeah. Like, oh, right. I don't want to say that. Yeah, Dick, Dick, Dick does love him some golf, and I, I could see him still being active in that. But, but you're right. I, I think for some of these guys, this is. They wonder what would happen if they stepped correct. away. No question. No so. question about it. All right. Speaking of wondering, I'm wondering what, what your final score prediction for this game will be. <laughs> well, maybe this will this will uh, dovetail into our new segment. All right, but uh, final, I'm even up in. I don't even know what it is. Final score prediction this week. I think Tennessee wins the game. I think they're I think they're much too talented, much more talented than this than this Bengals team. Uh, I think I think the Bengals figure out a way to keep it close, but I think I think the Titans get the win. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say twenty twenty eight to to three twenty eight to three. Wow, wow! I'll go nineteen to ten. I'm gonna go full <laughs> run, suck up field goals because because I got them on a fantasy team, so I'm gonna be rooting for field goals. Now we we do Bengals Nation every week. Yes, and there are some diehard Bengals fans that come down every week. We, you know, you get to know these. They people. have to be sad right now. Are they they sad? do. And and there was a guy who came up to me and said, "I just need a break from this team. I need a break." And I'm gonna I'm gonna offer you some alternative programming at one o'clock. If you if you now you'll cover the game uh-huh. on local12.com. You'll be on the field with Gary. Yep. We'll, we have you covered on local12. We do. We just don't if, have the game. If you, we we don't. Oh well, we don't have the game. Great. Maybe this is why I'm doing it this week. But if you need a week to step away and maybe not watch the game, if you hog the remote and maybe need to give it to somebody else, let somebody else watch something on TV. Here's some other things on television right. at one o'clock. It's here. Star 64 
has uh, Frankie and Johnny, very underrated movie, Michelle Pfeiffer, Al Pacino. Dreadful. Go ahead. It's, it's not under, a big fan of it. It's, I, I, it's yeah. under, it was in that. I like both of them as, as actors. It was actresses. in that portion of Pacino's career that's maybe regrettable. Little, yeah, a little, little weird. Definitely. Okay, Zero Dark Thirty on FX. Okay. X. That's, right. a, that's a good movie. Um, the uh, Mayakoba Classic Golf Channel Final Round. Ricky Fowler's 2017 uh, de- debut. Golf, there you go. Golf right. fan. Eastern. Golf is now year round, by the way. The, the, the that's right. Tour, but so. this is his debut in right, the UC. Correct. Okay. Eastern Conference Final, your Saskatchewan Rough Riders against the Ottawa Red Blacks in the CFL. You know what sucks nowadays in the CFL? There used to be Rough Riders versus Rough Riders. And you know who would win? Rough Riders. <laughs> but they only have one Rough Rider team anymore. Your starting safety for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Taylor Mays. How about that? Former Bengal. Yep. So there you go. Put there on is. some... Zach Caleros, the UC quarterback, is, is, is in that league. He's, he's in that team. league, yes. I thought he was on Saskatchewan. So is James Wilder. For, I think James Wilder is Toronto Argonaut, I believe. Okay. Former also, Deron Carter, former Ohio State. Kind of flunked out of Ohio State. Didn't kind of make... I think he went to Coffeyville Community College. Chris Carter's son. Yeah, from, from Miami. Yeah. He's had some uh, he's had some good uh, some good games for this Rough Riders team. So maybe put on the green and white, or yeah, whatever they right. wear. I think okay, that's right. Yeah. Okay, great. Golden Girls Marathon on on TV Land. Nah, thank you, thank you it. for being a friend, Richard. Can't do it. Okay, uh, cra- Okay, now here's here's another one. Here's another one. If and I know there are a lot of women out there that like football, but I also know that there are a lot of women who who don't and have to sit and watch football and they don't really want to DIY. So maybe you give the remote. CMT at two thirty, crazy, stupid love. Steve Carell, it's a good movie. It's, it's, it's a okay. decent movie. It's, okay. it's one of those. It's, okay. it's one of those rom coms that is is decent for if you have to watch a rom com if you're forced. Yeah, to. Yeah, I, I can do most Steve Carells. I can do. There you go. Okay, and then NBC Sports Sports Jeopardy marathon. Now that I could get into. We should live stream an episode, me and you, and see who wins, and see and see who wins. You, you, I would give you the edge. I tell you what, I don't know how you have to qualify for that show. I don't either, because I think I think when you take the test, you have to get a certain number of questions wrong, because the questions on that show are are so easy. Let's, I'm not. Let's, I'm, let's, let's do that. We can't do it this Sunday. <laughs> Tape it. We DVR should, it. We DVR should, it. DVR it. We should we should do it at some point. And I hate to be Leonard Fournette saying the NFL is easy, saying that Sports Jeopardy is easy, but every show that I've watched, I just sit there and think, how do you guys? Come on, it's Derek Thomas. Chiefs linebacker. Who else can it be? Who is Derek? Ta- you know, um, 1948 Olympic hockey champion. Name it. <laughs> can't do it. Just can't do it. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So a little alternative programming for you if, if you find yourself. 1960 needing. American League MVP. 1960 American League MVP. I have no idea. I'm just now there would be there would be some clues within there. Oh, there is. Well, you know, in Jeopardy, the, you, there are some context. Oh, yes. Yeah, so con- yeah, with, with word. The way it's so, word. you know, this Oriole, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Correct, you would get, correct. you know, that's, that's Brooks Robinson. Call. I don't know if he was 16. Yeah, I don't think he was. Okay. I'm pretty sure he wasn't. Right. Okay. Continue. Right, there we go. All right. There you go. All right. Now, on to our other segment of the week, which is our three-team teaser. Uh, we're still standing at one win for the season. You and I, you won a few weeks correct. ago. I won two weeks ago. Last week, my three-team teaser was Philadelphia minus one against Denver. Didn't sweat that one. One ounce. Dallas getting getting seven from Kansas yep. City. Didn't sweat that one an ounce, except for the crazy Hail Mary play at the end of the first half. Made me sweat a little bit. But then I just keep riding them over the cliff on the Ben McAdoo train. I took the Giants at home getting ten and a half. At home getting ten and a half. Had the, had the Rams in third and 33. They ran a screen pass. To guess who led the blocking down the field, by the way? Yeah. Andrew Whitworth. Sure. They, they went third and 33 and not only converted it, but scored a touchdown on it. I got blown out in that one, so my three-team seven-point teaser – 
goes by the wayside thanks to the G-Men. And I, I really like Ben McAdoo's halftime or interview <laughs> about what was said. It was one of the best of all time. Uh, For those in here, uh, Ben, what, what, what would you guys talk about at halftime? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It reminded me of that old Letterman thing where, hey, he just kind of <laughs> grabbed his collar and, and whatever. But here's why gambling is awful. Here's why gambling should not be allowed. Here's and it's not allowed, and, and this is obviously for for entertainment. This is purposes. only for entertainment only. purposes. I miss my three teamer. And a lunch. You missed your three teamer by a zillion. I points. did by a ton. I missed mine by one point. The Niners lost by ten. But they you, needed to lose by nine. But guess what? I'm still a loser. Yeah, that's right. You got to hit all three parts of it. So with that said, we forge forward because we <laughs> don't even use our own money for this. My three-teamer is the following. I'm going to take the Washington Redskins getting seven and a half points. They were at home against Minnesota. I like them with the touchdown and the and the, and the the hook on top of it. I got to tease Detroit from nine and a half down to two and a half at home against Cleveland. They beat them by at least a field goal. At you home, saw right? that at nine and a half? Yeah. It's got to be higher by now, right? Okay. I'm just telling you what I saw. All right. And Buffalo at home is a three-point underdog. I actually teased this incorrectly. I, I, I actually didn't give myself an extra point. They're getting three at home based on the line, the most recent line I saw. I'm teasing them up to 10. So Buffalo getting 10 at home. Detroit laying 2.5 at home against Buffalo. Wolf. Buffalo against? New Orleans. New Orleans, okay. They're Outdoors, due for a... cold. They're due for a stink. Yeah. So Washington, take... I, I, I'm going to guarantee... Can I guarantee this? <laughs> yeah. I why guarantee not? this. I guarantee this teaser will be hit this week. Guarantee it. Okay. Or okay. your money back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe that's been the problem. We haven't guaranteed Correct. anything. Okay. Correct. I'm going to take uh, I, I'm, this. Uh, Dallas getting three is the line against Atlanta. And that's Atlanta on the road. Is, it is on the road. But it Atlanta, tends a lot. Atlanta's a mess. If, if We don't know about the injunction temporary filing injunction for Zeke Elliott, but if they have Zeke and 10 points, I'll take my chances. Dallas against Atlanta. I'm going to ride Sean McVay in a game you can see on Local 12 at 4 o'clock. I'm going to take the Rams Minus five, hosting Houston. Not trusting the Tom Savage era? I am not trusting Tom Savage. I am not trusting TJ Yates, Matt McGloin, whoever, Christian Hackenberg, Kerry Collins, whatever, Penn State guy. Eventually Colin Kaepernick. (laughs) No, I I don't trust that team. And if if Indy was any good at all, they would have put that game away because Savage is is brutal. So I'm going to take the Rams at home. Uh, giving five, that teasing that down from twelve. Again, the game on local twelve at four o'clock, and then I'm going to take Jacksonville at home at one o'clock, getting four and a half points against the Los Angeles Chargers. I, I like that, but there's it's still Jacksonville, you know, and that's why maybe I was banking on the Bengals going there and giving it because it's just still it's a team that doesn't know how to win enough yet, and and the Chargers have hung around a lot of different teams. That's the one that's going to get you this week. Don't guarantee it. Just don't do it. I'm guaranteeing mine. I'm guaranteeing I think, mine. I think this is a this is a very coachable thing for this team because they said, hey, the Rams came in here a couple weeks ago. We looked flat. There's no excuse for that. This team's coming from the same city, same situation. And we I think we're starting to learn the, the Rams are, are pretty good. They're, yeah. they're pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. I mean, they're really – they. you could talk me into an NFC championship game with them in Philly right now. Will you guarantee it? I'm not going to guarantee okay. it, but I, I, here's what I will guarantee. One of those two teams will be in the NFC Championship. All right. Game. And that's not much of a guarantee. Yeah, okay. So there we go. Limb. I, I like it. All right. There we go. All right. Uh, tell people what you got coming up on, on Local 12 with the various shows from Bengals Nation to Sports Authority to the Luke Fickle Show. Uh, Bengals Nation. We had Alex Erickson fill in for AJ Green. He was a great sport. Uh, we have a trivia segment every week, and Alex Erickson's wife actually participated in the wow. trivia segment. And that went... 
interestingly. Like newlywed gameish? Kind of newlywed gameish, but it uh, it got a little uh, it got a little interesting okay. uh, between between the Ericsons. Um, so you can catch that at eleven thirty on local twelve. We've got the Luke Fickle show coming up. The Bearcats play on Friday. Luke Fickle show where at ten thirty on Sunday night on Star sixty four. We've got Bengals Nation next Wednesday at the Moorline Lager House. I believe our scheduled guest is CJ Uzama, who's always a good time. So be sure to come down to Moorline Sports Authority. You'll be on the field with with Gary Miller after the game from Tennessee. A lot going on. There we go. Very good. Of course, you can also catch our other podcast, The Angry Quarterbacks with Tom Gamble, my former radio partner, and uh, Tony Pike, the former UC quarterback. We talk high school, college, and NFL. So we do a little bit of each from that. And, of course, it's high school playoff time, and we're getting towards the college football playoffs. So some always some great stuff there. And, and our uh, weekly podcast is back now in college basketball season. Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal, Rick Boring, joined me. Uh, starting twice a week, but we just did our, our pre, pre-season one uh, actually a little bit earlier today. So you can catch that on Local12.com as well. It is the Skinny Podcast College Basketball Edition. Thanks for being with us today. For Jed Demusey, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us on this Skinny Podcast, the Bengals Edition. Bengals Edition.